this week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we wrap up Colossians with the new life at home and in the workplace, a door for the word, greetings part one and greetings part two. Then we launch into Paul's epistle to Titus on Friday with the hope of eternal life. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider.
Christ has appeared to us. reading from Acts chapter 9. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, 
Rise, and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. <coughs> so Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. O Lord, have mercy on us. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. When it comes to accounts of how people are brought to faith in Jesus Christ, few are more outwardly impressive and memorable than that of the Apostle Paul, as recounted in three different places in the book of Acts, including in the verses preceding our reading and that continue in our reading. We think of Paul, also named Saul, uh, on the road to Damascus when suddenly a brilliant light from heaven sh shines all around him causing him to fall to the ground much like an Old Testament prophet who has been brought confronted by the presence of Yahweh. Then there was the voice that booms out of that light convicting Paul of his sin. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul thought it was Yahweh and yet sought confirmation of the identity by responding who are you, Lord? And then came the shocking response, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise into the city and you will be told what to do. All that I have to say is Damascus Road conversion and all of these supernatural details come flooding into your minds. We may think that the first part of this conversion accounts, which preceded our text, is the perfect epiphany text. Light dawning, overcoming darkness. But it is not. We should not forget that what happened to Paul on the road to Damascus, it was not darkness to light. It was lights out darkness. Yes, physical blindness for three days. If any of us is honest, 
This does not sound like a wonderful epiphany and a pleasant conversion experience. Now, on the contrary, the light of Christ on the road to Damascus shined brightly and exposed the horror of Paul's sin and then left him to meditate on that sin for three dark days, wondering what would be the fitting punishment for persecuting Yahweh, who is indeed Jesus, by attacking his body, the church. The grace-filled epiphany in Paul's conversion account does not happen on the road to Damascus. It happens in Damascus at a road, at a street called Straight, because the Lord commanded Ananias in a vision to go there, to Paul, to lay hands on him and baptize him. When Ananias pushed back at this command, understandably, the Lord said, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Yes, the grace-filled epiphany in Paul's conversion was where darkness of Paul's sin was overcome by the light of Christ's forgiveness happened when Ananias came to this poor, miserable sinner, laid hands on him that returned his physical sight, and then baptized him, which gave him the Holy Spirit and 2020 spiritual sight that fixed his eyes on Jesus. Yes, the conversion does not happen on the road to Damascus, but it comes to the climax at baptism, at Paul's baptism, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, completing the gift of not just physical sight, but spiritual sight by the giving of the Spirit. The account of my conversion is pretty basic. Yes, July 20th, St. John Lutheran Church in Rib Lake, Wisconsin, two weeks old. My parents carried me to the font. My father uh, handed over the, the duties of baptism that day to his father, my grandfather. Your, your account of conversion is probably quite like mine. Maybe as a baby, maybe as a little older uh, person, baptized. And yet, you know, in spite of our less sensational beginning of conversion, like Paul, in holy baptism, each of us received the Holy Spirit. We had the same epiphany climax that Paul had in his conversion as we were given spiritual sight of faith fixed on the crucified and risen Christ as our Lord and Savior at baptism, just like Paul. Paul's conversion was actually more like ours than we realize. Forgiveness, life, and salvation. 
by being joined to the death and resurrection of Jesus in the water and word of holy baptism. What Paul wrote about in Romans 6 is not only that we died to sin and became alive in Christ, but it's the way that he died to sin and became alive in Christ. Whatever differences in our conversion accounts, they all come to the same grace-filled climax at baptism, administered by a faithful pastor in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even a reluctant pastor like Ananias. Like the four Gospels, the church year does not tarry long on the birth of Jesus. Just 12 days of great celebration, and then it's on to Epiphany, a season whose first Sunday focuses on the greatest of all epiphanies before the epiphany of Jesus' death and resurrection, namely his baptism. The reason that Paul's baptism, the reason that my baptism and your baptism and the millions of baptisms that take place across the globe are grace-filled epiphanies is because Jesus, in his baptism, became that scapegoat sin-bearer fulfilling all righteousness in his journey from the Jordan River to the Jerusalem cross where he paid the full price of all of those sins that he bore, the sins of the world, our sins. Yes, because the Father was pleased with this Son at his baptism, each step of his life, at his death and in his resurrection, now he can be pleased with Paul, even that great sinner, chief of sinners, Paul, and with each of you, because each of us has been given that gift of the Holy Spirit where we can now call Jesus Lord and His Father our Father. Yes, the climax of our conversion account is not substantively different than that of the great Apostle Paul. A blind sinner is carried to baptism administered by a pastor. That was the epiphany event where our eyes were opened to see the amazing grace of God in the very face of Jesus. What is different, though, is that God used Paul's baptism to also place him in the apostolic ministry. I had a much longer gap. <laughs> Two weeks old, baptized, 27 years later, almost to the day, called and ordained into the holy ministry. For some of you, though, there's not much of a gap between this epiphany and the Pentecost where the Lord will call you. Maybe this year, 2024, or in a very soon to come year, into the holy ministry and have hands laid upon you and place you in this office. Because like Paul, very much like Paul, God has chosen you to be a chosen instrument of Jesus. 
to carry his name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel and to proclaim that name, to reveal that name, so that his light may spread across this globe. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. In our prayers, we give thanks to God for the marriage of Aaron and Rachel Ferguson, for the marriage of Luke and Sarah Hoffman, and for the marriage of David and Madeline Grosh. Let us pray. O oh God, by the leading of a star, you made known your only begotten Son to the Gentiles. Lead us who know you by faith 
to enjoy in heaven the fullness of your divine presence. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. At the creation of Adam and Eve, you instituted and blessed marriage as the union of a man and a woman, and commanded that it be held in honor by all. Grant your blessings to all married couples, especially Aaron and Rachel, Luke and Sarah, and David and Madeline, that these marriages may be blessed with wisdom, purity, self-sacrifice, and love, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have safely brought us to the beginning of this day. Defend us in the same with your mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither rotten into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by your governance, may be righteous in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our bless the Lord. The Lord Almighty bless us and direct our days and our deeds in his peace.